What's going on, guys? Welcome to this edition of the Real Estate Q&A. It's been a while since we've been live, been a lot of distractions, but on a good note, we have a lot of questions from a lot of people. My name is John Papaloni. I'm with Royal LePage. And, and my name is Saad Wali. I'm also with Royal LePage. It's a different Royal LePage. So we are <laughs> glad to be here today and answer all the questions you may have. If you have some questions and you're watching live and you didn't send us the question in advance, feel free to put it in the comments below and we will get it and we will answer the question live. If not, if you send it in advance, we're going to answer it now. We're going to start off with question number one. Saad, you want to start it off? Sure. Um, so number one says, this market is out of whack and unpredictable. Is it a good time to buy or sell a house or should we sit by and wait? Well, that's, a, that's, a, that's uh, the big question here. Everyone is asking this question. Everyone is thinking this about this topic specifically. Um, it all depends on the situation of the individual. If they're, they have to sell, they don't have to sell, they need to sell, they need to buy. Um, it, it all depends. Right. Yeah. It's a very, like, very generic. Yeah, exactly. Like, that, that's the thing, right? It's the, the biggest question you have to ask yourself is why do you want to buy or why do you want to sell? Your why is what matters in this situation because um, the future is unpredictable. We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, the states rose, you know, increased their interest rates by 0.75 about a week and a half ago. So in July, the Bank of Canada is going to review the interest rates again. I wouldn't be surprised if we follow suit uh, the way the states did. Me too. Yeah. So with that being said, I mean, you know, there's a lot of panic out there, a lot of uh, worry. Um, again, it all comes down to why. If you have a rental property, I would not sell the rental property. I would just keep it rented because uh, the market will come back at some point. So just keep it rented. You have nothing to gain or lose by keeping it. So, uh, well, you have everything to gain because the market will eventually go back up. But I mean, hey, you know what? depends. If you need the money, maybe now is the cash out. But if you don't need the money and it's rented, just keep collecting and don't worry about it. Um, if you're trying to move because you want to move your principal residence um, and the reason you want to move your principal residence is maybe a new job, um, a divorce, uh, whatever reason, something like that, or, you know, like your kids have moved out, you want to downsize or you have another one on the way and you'd like to, uh, you know, get a bigger place to be more accommodating to your uh, new family, uh, you know, dynamics, then, then, then that's a reason to uh, go out there and sell your current home and buy a new one. Uh, other than that, then, you know, pretty much uh, stay put because more than likely you're locked into a lower interest rate and you won't see the higher interest rate until renewal. Yep. So with that being said, I would just stay put unless you have a reason to move. Number two, my mortgage renewal is in two years and I'm concerned that I won't qualify on renewal because of the rising interest rates. My home value is approximately 850K. My mortgage is about 325K at 2.75 and our family income is roughly 125,000. Well, I got great news for you. Even with the new interest rate, more than likely you won't have a problem. Yeah. And the reason I say this is because when you got approved, they approved you based on about 2% or 2.5% more than what you got. So if you got 2.75, you were at approved at a minimum of 4.75, maybe even five and a quarter, depending on the approval. So they've already factored in that at your income, you can afford it. The other thing you got to take into account is the fact that within renewal, that means you've been paying your mortgage for five years and more than likely within that five years, you've paid off at least 45 grand. So your 325 is probably going to be like 265 instead. So now you're uh, only uh, getting, you're only renewing at a lower rate. So your lower, uh, the mortgage is going to be lower. 
the interest is going to be higher. So you'll probably end up paying the same or within 100 bucks of each other. You'll be perfectly fine. Just keep going. Stay put. Don't move. That's my opinion. Um, again, get confirmation with your mortgage broker because we're real estate agents, not mortgage brokers. So get confirmation. But from my experience and things that I have seen, this is what I'm expecting. You have anything to add to that? No, I, I believe that they shouldn't have any problems. But again, speak to your mortgage broker. We'll be fine. Yeah. Number three, you want to take it? Yeah. My wife and I are living in a 950 square feet condo. And I think this is a great opportunity to sell it off and look for a single family home or a townhouse at minimum. She doesn't think it's a good time to do because of the market now. Should I sell the condo and move or, or she right and we should stay here a bit longer? So, okay, basically 950 square foot condo. You want your wife wants to, hold on, was it the wife that wants to move? Or he wants to move. The he wife wants to move. thinks they should wait longer. And the wife thinks they should wait longer. Okay, yeah. well, that, that I, you know what, what I think, I think that if you have a reason to move to get more space, now is just as good as any time. I look at it and say, look, let's be honest. If the mar with the market, if the prices drop for one, it drops for all. Yep. The prices go up, it goes up for all. If you're just positioning where you're selling one property to buy another property, you're not really that far ahead. Um, and that might be even a better time because you're moving by choice, which means you don't have to take the offer if you, don't get a, if you get an offer you don't like on your property. And where you're going to buy a property, that person might have to sell. So you might have a bigger buying, you know, opportunity out there. Like, yeah, you might, might be able to negotiate better. Um, and then they might be able to close the gap a bit. Because if you wait and the market goes down, it's going to go down for the place you buy. And it's going to go up for the place you buy. True. So, but but the, the question is right now, if they listed their condo, they might not get any interesting offers or even offers. For the next few weeks yeah but again because they're just making a shift they have the time they have the time yeah right so there's no harm in listing it you don't get what you want you stay put you get what you want pick up and go yep and they, 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 they have they have now they have the levers to choose right yeah. because they're not in a rush because they're doing but it i'm just saying that don't expect a lot of you know attention because no but that, that's with everything we're in yeah. a normal really let's be, let's get this clear we're in a normal real estate market we're not in a buyers we're not in a balanced we're in a normal Normal real estate market. Maybe it's closer to a balance than it is to the sellers right now. But we've been so used to this craziness where things are selling in three days. You're getting 200 offers on a house that looks like it's falling apart. Um, that has changed. Yes, that is, there's a big difference there. But at the same time, you know, it's not that houses aren't selling. They're just they're taking between, between 25 to 40 days to sell where they used to sell between one and seven days. Yeah, that's really the only difference. Has it taken a little bit of a clawback? Absolutely. With the interest rates, of course, even approvals have been, uh, you know, a lot lower. So it's just a natural course. But again, it's very limited. No need to panic. We've been here before. This is just basically going back to 2017 to 2018. You know what I mean? It's just a little bit of a curve and then we'll get to some sort of normal. I think by fall, we'll have some sort of normal pattern. Yep. And um, I think we've got to stop listening to the media that's making everyone scared over nothing. Panic, panic, panic the whole time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, now's a good, a good time to sell if you're buying and selling. The only thing I wouldn't do, you can correct me if you're wrong, is sell and stay out of the market to wait. I mean, if you're selling to buy, that's a good idea. If you're going to sell and you're going to try to time the market, stay where you are. Yeah, there's no point. Right. 
So uh, this one here is uh, for this me, for definitely. You. Yes. I have been following your posts online and late you late, late English. Lately, you have been changing your tone by saying that you should not buy a single family home. I am currently in a detached house with a double garage and want to purchase a second house as a rental unit. Your advice has confused me. You say to purchase a multifamily, but how does a person do that when it's more expensive to get and I barely qualify for the second home as it is? Should I be waiting to buy a rental unit then? And the answer to your question is no, you should not be waiting. So I'll take this one. This one's very easy. Now, I say multifamily because you're investing in multi-doors. In terms of qualification, now I'm not talking about a duplex or triplex. You're, you're right, absolutely, 100% right. You're going to have a problem because it's the same qualification for those as a single-family home. Now, when you get into sixplex, you're no longer being um, judged on your income. You're being judged on the performance of the property. So you want to get something with a high, with a you know, with a cap rate of six uh, percent, roughly, that'll produce cash flow. And if you do that, it'll be easier to get the approval. And with with that approval, because now you're again, it's getting it's getting approved based on the property. A mortgage broker should be able to go through this and explain this. It's a lot easier to get approved for the multiplex than it is for a single, you know, family home. And you're mitigating risks. If you have a single family home and you have one rental and the market's in chaos and uh, people stop paying rent, as we saw in 2020, now you're paying the rent for the home you live in. I mean, sorry, the rent, the mortgage, and you're paying the mortgage for the home that you bought. So now you're on the hook for two mortgages, which is exactly what the bank doesn't want, which is why it's so hard to get that second mortgage. Now you take that multifamily home and do the same thing. Now, I'll take an example. I, ha I have a property out in uh, St. Catharines that I uh, came across. Now, the cap rate on that or the profit rate on that is 4%, right? So with that being said, it's lower than I'd like, but it's still doing cash flows after I went through the numbers. So with that being said, with that being said, is that it sold for $1.7 Now, you take that home, $1.7 million, all six, six uh, units are rented with a 4% interest at the current, just the way it is right now. So with that being said, you're going to be able to make cash flow every month and you're taking appreciation every year. So that's not a bad purchase. Now, 1.7, again, as I said, it's being based on the performance of the building. Now, it's a matter of or not whether the uh, mortgage company will like the fact that it's 4% and not six or more. Um, but then that's something to talk to your mortgage broker about. But if I were to go to qualify for that on my own, again, I would not qualify, just like you said. What um, happens, you take the average home now, that's around what, 1.1? Obviously, again, it's another 600,000. Again, cash flow, commercial property, it is scored differently. It's scored on performance, not on, not on your income. So you'll have an easier time getting that multiplex than you'll have the single family home. So that's why I said, now what happens if you got six rents, Two people don't pay. Guess what? That's four rents you're still collecting while you're dealing with the other two. So now while the other two you're dealing with and you got the four rents, you're still covering your bills. With that single family home, the person decides not to pay, you're shit out of luck for lack of better description. So that's why I like multifamily homes. Now, to be clear, if your option is going to be I'm getting a second family home or I'm going to sit and wait, go buy the single family home. Go buy whatever you can buy to get into the market. Take advantage of the fact that there's opportunities out there right now. Get in the market any way you can. I'm just saying if you can take, if you have the ability to jump that extra level and go to the multiplex over the single family home, 
then that's the better route. That's what I meant by it. Yes, always be buying. <laughs> exactly. Never sell, always buy. Yep. Okay, we're on number I, five. I hope that you cleared it out for him because it looked like they, was, they were confused. Um, so number five, I was thinking about buying a, a secondary home in Florida and then Airbnb it. We want a vacation spot that can go to, uh, go to each year, but at the same time, want an investment can't afford to get a vacation spot without a rental income. Is this a good idea or should I buy a home in the city for rent or a cottage up north? Now, I think this one's going to be uh, individual. Uh, it's a, a personal preference. Let's hear your preference and your thoughts. Uh, I would say buying a condo in, in, in Florida or a property in Florida for Airbnb would be a, a great plan because uh, Florida has, has tourism almost 12 months of the year. There's always tourists. There's a lot of uh, those uh, like uh, amusement parks and stuff. So... You, you, there's a lot of companies there that rent it out for you and then you just block off, whether it's Airbnb or another companies, uh, you just block off in the calendar where you want the unit for yourself and then the rest of the, the days of the year, it's, 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 uh, it's for them to rent out and collect income. Um, where, but, the, but, but the thing is, it's just not, the appreciation of the property is not going to be as great as buying a property in the city or up north. So... So if you care more about having a vacation spot, then Florida is a better option. If you care more about the appreciation of the property, I would say buying up north or in the city would, would be a better option and rent it out. I happen to disagree with you. And not about buying in, in Florida, about the appreciation thing. Okay. Um, I think, uh, man, again, I think like uh, Florida is the same thing as Toronto. It really comes in the way that it comes down to where in Florida are you buying? If you're buying close to the hot spot, you're always going to be in demand. Of course, you're going to pay for being in the hot spot. Yeah. Right. So that's what it comes down to. Just like Toronto, when you go up north, you're going to pay less, but it's in less demand. It's going to be harder to rent. It's going to be harder to keep it, uh, you know, going and not impossible, just harder. So it's the same thing. Again, you got to know where you're buying and you definitely have to have a real estate agent you trust to be able to find that property in, in uh, Florida. Because, like you said, you can get at the wrong spot of Florida, and um, you, instead of appreciating and making money, you're going to be losing money. Yep. So that, that, that knowing who you can trust and knowing where you buy is extremely important, especially when you're leaving your hometown and you don't know the area. So, but I mean, in general, the Florida thing, like you're right, the Airbnb has endless opportunities in Florida. Yeah. Um, a lot of places are starting to outlaw Airbnb, but right now, I believe Florida is still good to go. So if that changes, you should have a contingency plan just in case. Yes. So, but with that being said, yeah, you, you have a property management company that takes, a, it takes care of it as well. Um, you just book off your two weeks, almost like a, um, not Airbnb, what's it called? Uh, uh, the timeshare. It's time the same concept, except you own the building instead of giving your money to somebody else. Yeah. Um, timeshares, I think, are the biggest waste of money I've ever seen in my life. And I think it's just something stupid that people do. But that being said, um, you know, to answer the question, yeah, buying in Florida is a great idea. Now, if you plan to go to Florida a lot, buy in Florida, get the rental, and then um, enjoy enjoy the appreciation. You have somewhere to go every year. Now, if you're one of one of those that's going to be that, well, I like the idea of going to Florida. I don't know if I'm going to go every year. Then it's just another rental unit. Buy somewhere you know. At least this way, it's close to you, and you have more control of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's a lot of new pre-construction pre now coming up in Florida. 
because they notice the demand for Airbnbs and stuff. There's a lot of projects coming up in the next few years. Yeah, that's the other thing I want to touch upon, right? That's another way to know areas because construction companies spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in their research to figure out what areas are up and coming, what areas are prosperous, you know, the demographics in each area and to uh, figure out whether it's profitable for them or not. Follow the construction company, see where all the big developments are. And that's a good idea yeah. of where the future opportunity is going to be. Yeah. Um, number six. Ooh, number six looks like a doozy. I, uh, is this mine or yours? No, it's yours. All right. I've been recently laid off. Our family income was 165,000 and my job represented 70,000 of that. We have a mortgage for 435,000 and the renewal is in four years. I'm worried that I won't get a job that pays the same. Should I be worried right now with the one income we can make our payments, our mortgages uh, are only debt, but I'm not sure if they will approve us on renewal with the lowered income. Well, you four got, years. Yeah, yeah. I'm certain you'll get a job. If you know what, you're approved at the 165, 435 sounds bigger than it actually is. It's not a, uh, not something to be taken lightly, but it's uh, not a reason to panic either. So, with that being said, um, you lost 70K, which means you make 95. Typically, a person before with the past interest rates would qualify with uh, 100,000, would qualify for 550,000. So you're kind of on the border of that threshold. With the new rates, you're kind of borderline. So I'm guessing that even if you took a minimum wage job, you would pass the renewal. And I doubt you're going to get a minimum wage. I'm sure, like within four years, I'm sure you're going to be able to find something in four years that's more than minimum wage. So if minimum wage is going to be your, uh, your uh, minimum, to, to pass, I think you're in good shape. I would uh, just focus on getting the job you want, one that pays you the salary you want, and I wouldn't stress that much. Just keep yourself in uh, check with your budget. And then uh, I would, about a year before renewal, I would contact your mortgage broker and uh, see where you stand with the mortgage broker so you have the time to make adjustments if you have to. Yeah, and, and the good thing is they don't, that's the only depth they have. That's like Keep it that way. Yeah, kudos to that. So number seven, I'm interested in a property that has been repossessed by the bank. The description says water heater rental as is an HST may or may not be included. What does that mean? I'm going to pay. Am I going to pay HST 13% on the purchase price or not? So the water, <laughs> water rental, <laughs> um, basically, they're just saying that, you, yeah, you're going to take over the water rental heater. Uh, but the HST, um, is it an isn't a brand new property or is it well it's bank repossessed right so, so that's that's where the catch is basically what the bank is saying is covering their their butts they're basically saying they don't know whether it qualifies or doesn't for and just the, yeah. yeah and what they're basically saying is if it doesn't qualify you're gonna pay it we're not yeah um that's pretty much what they are going to say and um so with that being said, I think you would need to know more information on that. And this is going to be where your agent comes into play. Maybe talk to a lawyer, talk to, you know, so they can uh, figure out what the lien on the property says, what, uh, what kind of property it was before it was repossessed. You're going to have to get a little bit more information. And that's the job of the agent to get that information and, or the lawyer, depending. Um, but worst case scenario, keep 13% aside. That's what I would suggest because it's always good to have it just in case. Uh, but your lawyer will be able to look that up for sure. That's 100%. 
And I mean, again, it just comes down to, are you willing to take the liability should the government decide that there is an HST? Are you willing to take the, the, the liability? If so, go ahead and purchase. Yep. If you're looking at that, there's no way, no chance in hell that I'm going to pay that. Then just walk away. Yeah, there's no point. So, I, again, more than likely, it's probably included. But we don't know if it was an investor that owned it and had it as a rental because that's not going to be exempt. Or if it was somebody who lived in and was a uh, primary you know, resident. Yeah. So yeah. we don't know the answer to that. And the bank probably might be able to tell you, might not be able to tell you, but the lawyer will be able to tell you. Number eight. What are the advantages for a tenant to have a two-year lease over a one-year lease? Does the advantages change if it's in the building created after 2018, which doesn't have the rent controls of older buildings? Ooh. Want to answer this one? So we, <laughs> I'm not sure about the, the 2018 part, but the advantage you have is you basically lock in the rate for the next two years instead of the one year. And then, um, you know, if, if it's only one year, then the next year comes in, uh, there's going to be an increase. Now, I'm not sure about the increase, if it's going to be under the whatever the government says or because it's after 2018. So the, the landlord has the, uh, you know, has the right to increase it to a, a different amount. But that's only advantage you know, in a year and two years. Yeah. And again, the two year doesn't necessarily mean you'll have the same rate. But you'll have a predetermined rate. Predetermined, yeah. So what that means is that you'll know what you're paying for the two years. And then you go to month to month. That would be the main advantage. Um, if it's after 2018, uh, basically once the lease is over, the landlord could raise it to whatever they want. Um, there is no real rent controls, not to the same degree as before 2018. So yeah, you just get the rate, the lock in the rate, and um, you guarantee that uh, you won't get uh, an eviction notice because the landlord decided to sell. Because when when you're in your lease and you're in that two year term. You have a two-year term that cannot be revoked unless you're damaging the building or doing something illegal. So in that case, you're securing yourself. So even if the landlord sells the building or the unit, the person purchasing has to honor that lease. They cannot break it even if they want to move in. They cannot break it until the actual lease expires. So if you were month to month and the person wants to move in, you get the N12 and out you go. But if you're on a two-year lease, Sell it or not, the landlord's the one who gets stuck, not you. So that's pretty much the only advantage. Yeah. Uh, number nine, I read that assignments are now subject to HST. What are the details on that? Is there a way to avoid that? I bought my uh, unit three years ago, and now I'm ready to assign it. It wasn't a rule then, so does that still apply to me? I believe it sure does. Um, Way to get avoided is basically to close. That's pretty much what it comes down to. I yeah, don't think there's yeah. another way around it. Yeah. This way, it's not an assignment anymore. Yeah. that's uh, It's unfortunate. And there's no way you could have predicted that. But that's the way it goes. Um, government comes in with the rules and, uh, and that's it. Now, you might want to look it up to see if they backdated the rule for anything. Like if they made exemptions. But as far as I'm aware, they didn't. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, you're just stuck with the HST and there's not much you can do about it. Um, maybe you can try it whenever you're selling it or trying to assign it. You can place it as HST not included and put it on the buyer, see if they'll pay the HST. It might be a hard sell, 
they might be interested depending on how much they like the unit, but that's pretty much all you can do. Yep. Yep. Uh, number 10, I have a, I have a question regarding the property, which is going to be closed on July 4th. So the buyers went for their final visit. They found a crack on the window glass, which is in, inside and it's not visible from the outside. Um, is that part of it? Yeah, yeah. Um, we are not we're, not, I, I, we're not finding anyone who can fix it. And even if we find someone, it could only be fixed after the long weekend um, property is getting closed. So I, I would say in this case, uh, what they can do is they can do a holdback. Yeah. Of a, uh, like the lawyer would basically proceed with the, with, the, with the transaction and the purchase, but they will do a holdback on a certain amount of money, depending on the damages. Let's say, let's say the damages are within $1,000. For example, I, I don't know what the damages are. Um, so what they, they'll pay uh, the seller the price minus that 1000 and they'll put it on hold back until it's fixed. Um, otherwise, they won't get that $1,000. Right. Now, that's the other thing, right? Because usually the holdbacks are more than what it costs to repair, yeah. which is the incentive to do it. Yeah. The other alternative is that seller and buyer can make a deal and say, hey, that costs roughly around 2500 Let's just deduct $2,500 or $3,000 yeah. off the price. And that's it. And, you know, it's up to you to fix it. And and don't have to deal with the headache anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So the question is, if the issue is not, if, if it's not getting fixed, can the closing be done or the buyer postpone the closing until it's fixed? And the answer is no, you can't postpone it. The, it will close or the deal will be in breach regardless. But yes, you can be sued if you don't fix it. Yeah. Um, so there has to be an agreement somewhere. Like something's got to be done. You can't just... If they bought the property and that crack was not there when they, you know, before when they made the offer, this is new damage. You can't expect the buyer to take uh, your damage, you know, your damage that you did that you, when yeah. that's not what they agreed to. Yep. Now, if it was there before and you could prove it was there before, you might have a different argument. But for the sake of closing, it's just much easier. It's a window. It's not like it's like the roof yeah, is collapsing. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's a window for the two, three thousand bucks. Close the deal. It's not, it's not worth the headache. In, in my case, I have experienced both scenarios where one time the lawyer hold the cashback and the other case where they just reduced the purchase price and, and they closed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it, it does happen. And, that, and that's the thing you got to be uh, aware of. So, you know, not the first time it happened. It won't be the last time that it happened. It's uh, part of doing business for the lack of better description. And uh, yeah, so... This has been this edition of the Q&A. I don't see any other questions, and uh, I think it's been a pretty good one, man. It's been a long time. It's good to be back. Absolutely. Yeah. How are you finding the market? I'm finding it slow, <laughs> very slow. Rental market is crazy. It's getting busier and busier every day. Uh, selling and buying is, is, is very slow. And keep in mind, summers were always slow before pre-COVID. Always. July, August was not a busy time to buy and sell because people are on vacation. People are out of town. Um, other things. Absolutely. And that's yeah. the other thing I was going to say, right? Yeah. Like, here, let's look at the trend. Right now, schools are coming back. School's back to normal. People are back to class. Yep. So, rental are, rentals are definitely going up. Um, there's going to be a lot of student rentals coming because people are going to go back to school in September. Yep. And I think that's going to be the primary focus over the summer is the student rentals, getting ready for September so people can start moving the last week of August, you know, before school starts. And as a result, what we are seeing is that there's now the multiple offers that are going on rents, believe it or not, like oh yeah, 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 like you know what I mean. So yeah. the craziness of the buying is now happening on rents. So um, that's kind of the change that's happening. The rental market is hot, heated. Um, some of its affordability, some of its student rentals because schools are back. 
Um, there's many different reasons, but uh, yeah, that's that's right. So the, the rentals are hot. The buying and selling is, I, I would say it goes back to what I was said earlier. It's back to normal. Back to normal, yeah. Right, like this is normal. January, uh, I'm sorry, January. July and August, it was always a slowdown. That's when people, like you said, people go on vacation. Yeah. I mean, I'm even going on vacation. It's the first time in six years, six <laughs> years or seven years, something like that. Since I got my license, like it's the first time uh, I've gone in that many years. So, you know what I mean? Like we've been uh, stuck in this lockdown for how many, you know, how long? And yeah. people are ready to just get out of here. Like just to do something, something different. Yeah. Right? See something different. Other than the four walls they see every day. So, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that's exactly it, man. Like you're going away anywhere. Not a during summer, no. No. Oh, well, that's good for you. Yeah. But you like the outdoor events here anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. So, well, if you like this show and you want to see more, we're going to do this every two weeks. There won't be any breaks from uh, that we can see of right now. So we're going to go straight through at least till Christmas time. And Christmas time, I don't think we're going to do a Q&A on the 25th. So other than that, we're going to be going straight. And, uh, you know, thanks for watching. Hope you found this useful. If you want to send us uh, any more questions, we'll answer on the next Q&A. Either send it to us through the comments, send it to us through uh, social media, or DM us on social media, or just email me at john at or you can email Sad at his email. I think you just go to sadwally.com. You can find it there. Yep. And uh, yeah, either or, send us one of the emails. And uh, thanks for tuning in. You know, hope you found this uh, valuable.